You're listening to Ari Snapshots, where each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds and decode some of the trickier concepts which crop up. Welcome to Ari Snapshots. In this podcast, we're chatting with Professor Martin Villa AU. And as you probably remember that name, he has previously been on sabbatical at Ari a couple of years ago. He's from the University of Buenos Aires. And he came onto my radar again because one of his papers was published in a recent special issue of Plants, Herbicide Resistance in Plants, that our director, Hugh Becky, put together. And his paper, Fitness of Herbicide Resistant Weeds, Current Knowledge and Implications for Management, was published in that special issue. So Martin joins us now. How are you going, Martin? Hi, Jessica. Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And yes, trying to, to spend this time as good as we can. Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well, you know, you're in Argentina, so it's interesting for other people to hear what you're doing as a researcher from a researcher point of view. We were chatting before and you were saying your university is closed and so you're spending this time where you're not able to be able to do so much research by writing papers. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to and how you're making the most of this situation that we're in. Well, yes, from, well, from the beginning of this year, uni and yeah all, all kind of education primary secondary schools and universities have been closed and um, so far so during the first semester we continue lecturing using an online system and, and now that the lectures are are over i pretty much spend most of the time uh, writing and yes i i have so many pending manuscript most of them i would say from collaboration with my colleagues in in, in ari so yeah it's, it's also a, a busy time the only difference is that uh, we are not going to the to uni and we are not conducting any experiment but uh, yeah the writing keeps keeps you busy as well so yeah, yeah trying to so, Martin, uh, tell us a little bit about some of these collaborations you've been doing with RE staff. What have you been working on? Well, I've been very lucky because over the years, even since, since my PhD, I, I was lucky to have very good colleagues in RE, uh, Yushin. I mean, uh, I, I, wouldn't na- I wouldn't name all of them, but, um, yeah, so we, we've been... We have been working with, uh, for instance, with Mike Ashworth about wild radish. Radish is a very interesting species because it has so much genetic variation that um, radish has the potential to adapt to harvest with seed control practices. Um, and how, how, how can that be possible is because wild radish may shorten the um, the life cycle. I mean, they, the plants, wild radish plants, may flower very early in a way to avoid um, being collected during the harvest. So potentially, also having a reduced life cycle period. So we've been working on that, and uh, also we continue to work with Eleusin indica uh, goosegrass. This double, probably you've heard about this double mutation, EPSPS mutation, tips. And when, when goosegrass plants have this uh, double mutation, you remember, Jessica, that uh, these plants are, are very, very highly resistant to glyphosate, but 
Yeah. This double mutation makes these plants particularly special because they have a huge, one of the biggest or highest cost, fitness costs I ever seen. So these plants are grow very, very slowly. They produce very, very few seeds. So we continue to study that. And of course, when, when I said to you that I am writing papers, I, it's, it's in, amazing because even from my PhD, there are a few chapters that, uh, and I'm talking about more than 10 years ago, still those chapters have not been published. Uh, so those chapters or that type of study was uh, conducting on P450 metabolism in rigorous. And I remember one of the pending chapters was about that. Uh, uh, and it has to do with the, with the paper we are going to, to discuss now with you. If P450 metabolism in rigorous, we have studied, is associated with the, with the fitness cost. And we were able to see that after three years without herbicide treatment, the frequency of P450 metabolism decrease over time from a high level of resistance to a very low level of resistance. And, and most of the plants that remain in the field were susceptible. And the ultimate consequence of a fitness cost, you know, it's the reduction in the frequency of resistance over time. Yeah. Okay, Martin. So it sounds like you're very productive. So that's, you know, a lot of people would be hearing this and thinking, wow, you're, you're doing a lot with your time. So it's really, I'm really happy for you that you're able to write so many papers under the circumstances that we're in. Let's chat about this published paper that's in the special issue of herbicide resistance in plants. You've got this paper that's been published in this issue that Hugh Becky put together. So it's called, just for the listeners again, Fitness of Herbicide-Resistant Weeds, Current Knowledge and Implications for Management. And if listeners want to go and read this special issue, you can. It's in our research section on the RE website. But Martin, tell us a bit about this paper. All right. Well, this paper is a little bit special. Originally came from a proposal from, from Hugh and the paper discusses about fitness costs and uh, resistance management practices. For a very long time, fitness costs are often seen as an opportunity for the design of resistance management practices that could minimize the evolution of herbicide resistance. So the idea behind this is that Every time there is a fitness cost or there is a description of a fitness cost or evaluation of a fitness cost, we tend to think that, okay, there is an opportunity from a management point of view, resistance management point of view, that we can exploit that fitness cost and, and as a consequence, have an, a reduction in resistance. Yeah. But in the paper, we discussed that uh, it's not as simple as it may look because fitness cost is defined as a reduction in fitness in plants carrying herbicide resistance mutations compared to plants carrying susceptible, I mean, compared to plants that are susceptible to herbicide. So, but that fitness cost is only expressed in the absence of herbicides because of course, in the presence of the herbicides, plants that carry herbicide resistance mutations, they, those plants will have 
a fantastic advantage, fitness advantage compared to the susceptible ones, because that's, that's what resistance mutations do. They confer survival to, to herbicides. But in the absence of herbicides, if there is a fitness cause, okay, those resistant plants will have, will display a reduction in fitness. So for a management practice to exploit a fitness cause, we need to think first in a situation where herbicides are not used. So this may sound a little bit uh, awkward because um, we are dealing with resistance, but to exploit a fitness code, we need to put herbicide a little bit aside. So to understand how management practices uh, can exploit fitness costs, we need to think first what we need to do is to change the scale. We need to think of a scale bigger than a paddock or a single field. We need to think of, for instance, we can think of the whole WA Whitbell area or we can think of a very big farm. So in a very big farm, we can think of a matrix, a matrix of there will be herbicide-treated fields and herbicide-untreated fields. This is especially the case where farms have these uh, mixed systems between agriculture and livestock, right? Which is, for many farms, is, is the case in WA, where farmers grow sheep. Yeah. So in those herbicide-treated fields, okay, resistance mutations, in inevitably, they will increase in their frequency because herbicides are being used. But in those areas in which herbicides are not used, there is a chance, if, if provided that there are fitness costs, there is a chance in those herbicide untreated areas that the resistance frequency may decrease over time. So, in, so the net balance in, in that big farm that we are thinking about now, in that big farm, the net result of those herbicide-treated versus herbicide-untreated areas, there will be a net a balance between the increase and the decrease in the frequency of a particular resistance mutations. So, but going back to the question, how a resistance management practice can exploit a fitness cause. So I'm going to try to answer that question with a question. How, <laughs> how beforehand, how do we know beforehand if the weeds, the resistant weeds that are present in now in our in our farm, how do we know beforehand that they have a fitness cause? And how do we know in what environment those costs, those fitness costs are expressed because not all the costs express in the same environment. So the answer to that question is, well, it's very hard. It, is, it's, it makes no sense, very impossible to know beforehand if a fitness cost is present first mm. and then in what environment we can exploit that. So the approach then, we go back to a very general principle, which is, the challenge for the resistance management is, is to, to ensure that the agroecosystem, that big farm, is diverse, diverse in terms of everything. I mean, the number of crops we grow, 
the number of uh, practices during the harvest with seed control practices. Like, okay, are we are we going to use the Harriton seed structure or are we going to use chaff cards? Are we going to change our seeding rates, our sowing uh, times? Are we going to change the orientation of our crop uh, lines? So the more diverse is the agro-system, the, the more chances uh, we will have to exploit that hidden, because fitness costs are hidden. Yeah. So when we rotate our crops, when we perform all these management practices in a, in a diverse way, we, at the same time, we are changing the environment. We are changing, for instance, the amount of light uh, and the quality of light, which, which is uh, getting into the soil. We are using competitive crops. We are demanding, in a way, more resources that could exploit that fitness cost. For instance, there are some fitness costs in some, depending on the mutation, on the resistant mutations, that are expressed as a reduced relative growth rate in the plant. So plants with a fitness cost having a particular mutation, it doesn't matter now which mutation, but they, they are resistant, but their growth, they have a reduced relative growth rate. Wow. So in, in order to exploit that RGR, relative growth rate, reduced, what we have to implement is to have a very competitive crop which will make that fitness cost even bigger. It, it will magnify the fitness cost. For instance, goosegrass plants with the tips mutation, with the double mutation, which makes these plants resistant to glyphosate, if we have an area where glyphosate is not used, and I don't know, the, the area is put into a pasture phase, let's say, well, we have some data still unpublished, but it says or it shows us that the frequency of those tips plants during that pasture phase will decrease over time, but very significantly will decrease. And it will decrease because of the expression of a very, very high fitness cost. So the paper tries to summarize all these concepts. And as you can see, Jessica, there is no straightforward answer to the question how how a resistant management practice can exploit a fitness cost. Basically one wise way to understand that is to make the agro the agroecosystem more diverse. When we make the ecosystems more diverse agroecosystems more diverse, pretty sure we will be if there is any fitness cost around there, we will be exploiting it. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Martin. It is complicated, but it makes sense. And I think, yeah, all the more reason to follow things like the Weed Smart Big Six principles uh, where growers can yes. look at those diverse tactics and um, see what fits it's into not, their farming yeah. system. Yeah, yeah that, that's basically the core of the paper. And yes, and it's very interesting because if you read papers about fitness costs, one of the concepts that usually arises is, is okay, yes, uh, we will design management practices to exploit this fitness cost. Well, it's not very easy because, firstly, as, as we mentioned before, the fitness cost is only expressed in the absence of herbicides. So 
how can we tell a farmer not to use a herbicide? I mean, one way could be, okay, to put some fields into a pasture phase. Okay, in a pasture phase, probably herbicides are not used because you want to have a, I don't know, a pasture for your sheep, but otherwise it's not easy. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense, Martin. Well, thank you so much for giving us an overview of that and letting us into what else you're doing as well. It sounds like you're really busy and that's really great to hear. Lots of papers coming out from your yourself and collaborations that you're working with. And like I said, you can read this paper that Martin just described. It's on the ARI website. I'll put the link to it in the podcast notes. But lovely catching up with you, Martin. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you too, Jess. I'm very happy to talk to you and send my regards to the ARI colleagues and good luck to you as well. <laughs>